Welcome to the Flywheel Podcast. This show is for entrepreneurs and creative free thinkers. Each week, we share ideas to help you build a better business that's more focused on building a life rather than just making money. I'm Victor Jimenez. To stay up to date on the latest shows, visit theflywheelpodcast.com where you can get notes on all the shows and sign up to receive updates. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Flywheel Podcast. I'm so happy you could make it. So today we're talking about nature. If you're like me, I love to spend time outdoors. Just about every day you can find me back in the woods near my house. I go for a walk with the dog just about every single day. I, I like to ride my mountain bike. I ride a road bike. I go camping. I, I enjoy spending a lot of time outdoors. And, you know, if I'm having a, a, a tough time or I'm having a bad day, I notice, I've noticed that after I'm out in the woods for a little while, I start to feel better. And I come back from my walk or, or just being out in the backyard, and I notice I feel a lot better. And I've always wondered, well, what's going on? Is it just the exercise or is there something about being in nature and amongst the trees that's, that's making me feel good? So my guest today on the podcast is Florence Williams. She's the author of The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. Florence is a journalist and best-selling author, podcaster, and public speaker, She's a contributing editor to Outside Magazine and a freelance writer for the New York Times, National Geographic, New York Review, Slate, Mother Jones, and numerous others. So Florence, welcome to the Flywheel Podcast. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you. It's so great to be here. So I, I've, I spent uh, a lot of time thinking about the, your, your book and what you wrote in this book because I, I personally spend quite a bit of time in nature and uh, this this book really has hit home for, for me. Um, the problem I see is right now uh, we spend so much time connected to technology and outside of nature. Maybe it's in, in our home, in our office, wherever we work and through create, creating, uh, writing this book and researching this book, what have you found about that, that the core of, you know, spending time inside and how that, that affects us? Well, one thing I sort of remark upon in the book is that I feel like we are living in this sort of dramatic age uh, that we're not really acknowledging. And it's the age of migration inside, this is the largest migration in human history in some senses. And it's, it's the migration of human people to cities, but it's at the same time, it's the migration indoors. Uh, and so we're living in this, you know, profoundly different habitat, you know, from the one we evolved in and, and from the ones, you know, our parents and our grandparents lived in. Our grandparents, you know, may have even spent more time outside than inside, <laughs> depending on what they did. Sure. And we've, you know, we now spend less than 5% of our time outside. 
And so what does that mean to our brains? I mean, that's, that's really, you know, I, th- I think that is the essential question. What is it mm-hmm. doing to us? Yeah. And, and the research indicates that, you know, it really is having an effect on our nervous systems, you know, which, as I mentioned, evolved outside. And so in, in some ways, we're just not very comfortable with this total indoor life. You know, it stresses us out. And, and the urban life, too. I mean, we're not really supposed to take in information from intersections downtown and from freeways and from these Euclidean kind of, you know, mono, you know, monochromatic landscapes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we're not really quite getting what we need psychologically and emotionally when we spend so much time in these, you know, very stimulating or understimulating, like under sensory stimulating environments, uh, you know, inside our houses and our schools. Mm. It seems like they're stimulating. You know, when you spend uh, a lot of time on social media or even just doing some work on the computer, it can seem stimulating in some way. But it's it's a different stimulation than than, than what we experience when we're outside. I think. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of the reason that so many of us are drawn to these devices. I mean, they, they do clearly stimulate us, you know, in some very, you know, profound ways. They, they stimulate our dopamine reward system. Um, you know, they, they, they satisfy some of our social cravings if we're, you know, engaging in online communities and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really, you know, sort of a, a, a uni or dual sensory kind of um, experience, you know, we're using our eyes and we're and we're just right. using our thumbs, you know, or our fingertips, and we're depriving the rest of our senses, um, you know, from from the sort of enriching and nurturing stimulation that they crave. Hmm. So, I mean, I can say my opinion, but I want to hear what what you've kind of your your thoughts on this. How is all this? And you hinted to it just a second ago. Is how is it affecting, you know, our happiness? Our, our our feeling of connection and belonging. How is this environment that we're migrating towards, how is that affecting that? Well, I think one thing that happens when we spend so much time indoors and working, right, connected to our devices, um, is that we're kind of overtaxing our frontal lobes. So the part of our brains that are kind of most newly evolved, our frontal cortex, that's where we do so much of our kind of problem solving and, mm-hmm. um, you know, short-term planning, checking off our to-do lists, um, putting out fires, you know, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we overtax that part of our brain. And what happens then is we sort of deplete that, that the glycogen stores and... Uh, the fuel stores of that part of our brain. And so it, it makes us tired. You know, on some level, mm. we just get exhausted and we get grumpy and we don't even know it. But, mm. but you, you know, I think we all can relate to that feeling of sort of irritability when we've just been like sitting still and, and you know, looking at our computers all day. And so what happens when we go outside is that that part of our brain actually quiets down. It's like a muscle that's That's overused and it needs a little bit of a break. So when we go outside, we start to realize, oh yeah, there are things to look out out here. here. There are things to smell. Um, You know, there are these beautiful patterns in the trees or there are these, you know, incredible leaves or there's a bird sound. Um, And we get drawn out of, you know, kind of our usual top-down frontal cortex brain and instead, mm-hmm. we start to become sense, the sensory beings, right, that we're built to be. And, and what happens then is that we actually really relax. Our, mm-hmm. our bodies and our brains feel, in some ways, like they're in a more comfortable, natural place, even if it's, like I said, very subconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have this image 
that that I notice and near my house there's a there's a gym and I I ride my bicycle by or I walk past it often and they have these huge glass windows on the front and it can be a gorgeous beautiful day outside and there's always people sitting on the treadmills there running on the treadmills <laughs> l- looking outside and there's something I don't know there's sort of uh, some disconnect there I always think it's funny it's just a, a comment so um. I, I think we can all, just about everybody listening, I think we all sort of have a sense of this. What, what you're saying is this is a problem that we have and we're migrating on inside. I think we all sort of know that. But at the same time, a lot of people might be uncomfortable getting out outside. Sometimes it's too cold, it's too hot, it's humid, there's bugs, there's... Uh, Getting outside can seem uncomfortable on the surface. Um, what what do you say to people that are that are thinking that? Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate. You know, I think we've all been there where it's just like, oh, the wind's blowing. I don't, I don't want to be outside right now, and that's fine. I mean, you know, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. But I will say that the science really supports the idea that even when it's crummy outside <laughs> and it's raining and it's cold our brains still like it. And we know that because um, we perform better on cognitive tests, for example, and even on measures of mood and sort of well-being after these walks in a bl- in blustery bad weather. You know, we still perform better on tests. So that there's still something going on with that frontal cortex relaxing. And so when, when we do go back inside, when we do go back to the office, um, we're just fresher and we're sharper. So on some level, even if, you know, emotionally, we, we may think, oh, it's not very inviting out there. Mm-hmm. Even when that happens, we're getting a benefit. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. And I think we've also so, experienced the fact that, you know, sometimes we, we know that feeling where we don't want to go outside, but once we actually get out there, it's not as bad as we think. And in fact, we start to enjoy it, even yeah. if the weather's terrible. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's, I think that's, that's true for a lot of people. Even somebody that, like me, I spend a lot of time outdoors. Uh, it's, it's usually difficult for me to head out the door when the weather is kind of miserable, but I'm always glad I did. Exactly. It's just that transition that's tricky. <laughs> it's like having, you know, as a parent, you know, you we all know our kids like don't necessarily want to move from one activity to the other, but once they get there, they're really into it. Hmm. So during the process of creating this book, um, you, you, you travel to Japan. And there's something there. I'm going to say it wrong. I'm sure they call it Shinrin Yoku. Yeah, that sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, can you talk about that and what they're doing in Japan and and what you discovered? Sure. So, Shinrin Yoku uh, is Japanese for forest bathing, and it's it's it. a practice that's really been kind of supported and promulgated by the Japanese government. Uh, in the last 20 or 30 years as a way to um, get people to relax and kind of de-stress. Because, you know, Japanese office workers are some of the most highly stressed people on the planet. And they work longer hours. Mm. They literally sometimes drop dead at their desks. Mm. Um, There's another Japanese term for that, actually. And uh, so, so forest bathing just basically means going out into the forest, into the parks, and really focusing on engaging all five of your senses. And the Japanese researchers have found that when we do this, it's really kind of a shortcut to a state of 
relaxation and restoration. And I think it's most analogous to, um, you know, mindfulness. And that's basically Mm. what it is. You know, when you're focusing on what am I hearing? What am I seeing? What am I smelling? What am I tasting? Um, It pulls you into the present moment. Uh, and again, it engages sort of all the parts of your nervous system that are happiest when they're, when the senses are are taking in information, um, kind of quiets down, you know, that top down brain effect we talked about. And so Mm -hmm. as a result that the researchers there have found these physiological measures of well-being. So a drop in stress hormones like cortisol, um, a drop in blood pressure, a change in heart rate variability um, in a way that, um, you know, is, is less stressed out. Uh, and mm. also on qualitative measures that people just report greater feelings of well-being, lower feelings of frust- frustration. And this is even after just 15 or 20 minutes of really trying to open up all those senses out in the woods. Hmm. So the Japanese, uh, I think it's very Japanese, uh, they, they came up with this term then, forest bathing. And uh, I understand there's, there's some sort of government program that, that's connected with that. Yeah, so it's really amazing. I mean, in, in Japan now, instead of just managing forests for the traditional uses like timber or recreation, um, now mm-hmm. they're actually managing forests for therapy, for the purposes of therapy. And, and in fact, there are a number, I think about 48 um, designated so-called forest therapy trails. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, it sounds very Japanese when, when you explain that. I don't know why. Um, uh, that's that's really so. That forest therapy trails. We that doesn't sound like something we do in the United States here. Well, I think you could uh, make a case that all trails are are therapy trails. You know. Yes. Uh, but the the Japanese are making it very specific yeah. that this trail is a therapy. Trail, exactly. I'm not sure right? we would name it as such just yet. Maybe maybe soon. But so. Something that's popping in my mind as, as you're talking here, and as I recall reading through the book, this isn't necessarily just about being out in the wilderness, going way out in the woods like I like to do. It, it can also be uh, right in the middle of a city in, in small doses. Is that right? Yeah, and I think that's right. It can be. Um, certainly, it looks like the, the health benefits of nature kind of sit on a dose curve, and so, you know, the more nature immersion <laughs> you get, the better. But even okay. from these relatively small kind of nearby urban hits of nature, there are a number of benefits that the researchers are finding. Um, you know, and those include some of the things I just mentioned, like a you know drop in blood pressure and a change in stress hormones. Um, mm-hmm. But it also looks like we can get a little cognitive boost, you know, even from looking out a window. So if we're, you know, if we're hard at work on something and we take these like micro breaks where we look at some trees outside our window, um, when we come back to our task at hand, we perform better at it. And it looks like things like, um, like schools that have green schoolyards, mm-hmm. um, again, with these kind of window views, ideally out into some greenery, the, the students who, who work in those classrooms or who study in those classrooms perform a little bit better on tests. Uh, so we're not talking about like major wilderness, you know, immersion. We're talking about just little hits of urban nature can, can still really have a positive effect on us. So that corner office with a view really does matter. <laughs> it really does. Right? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Those people are happier. <laughs> uh, that's that's interesting. And so I, I'm I'm thinking of you know these these in Japan they have these walks uh, these uh, uh, what were they called therapy trails? Yeah, forest therapy trails. And 
one of the things I know myself and probably everybody listening, you know, we're, we're connected all the time to our technology. Um, I have a little watch that, that does all kinds of stuff. I have my phone with me. Uh, sometimes I, I'll have my headphones with me and I listen to a podcast or something. Um, do we need to completely disconnect when we get out in the woods? Good question. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it depends on what your goals are, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're training for a marathon and you, you really want to listen to that Olympic playlist, then, you know, sure, mm-hmm. by all means, that's going to be really helpful to you. But if you're out for, um, if, you're, if you're really out because you need to recover from stress, it looks like the most effective way to do that is, in fact, to turn your phone off <laughs> or to put mm-hmm. it away. And again, it's, it's, it gets back to that um, needing to be in the moment needing to be present and mindful of the environment you're in. Uh, and, and so that means really listening, you know, listening to the birds, um, listening to the water, you know, if you're by a creek. Those kinds of experiences really seem to just be this shortcut to feeling better. So, uh, mm. I, you know, and I, and I think there's a lot of individual variation too. I mean, some of us may need kind of a deeper immersion <laughs> into nature than others. And, and depending on, you know, if, if we're dealing with sort of depression issues or if we're dealing with grief or trauma, you know, we may need mm-hmm. to even feel like we're farther away from civilization. Mm. So I, I don't know, I didn't, I don't recall reading what I'm going to ask you here in the book at all, but I, it just popped into my head. So Sort of when we, what you were saying is when we go out into nature, there's sort of this forced mindfulness experience. And these things happen in our brains and our body reacts to that. Did you run across anything where they did a study that comparing the, the spending time outdoors with just regular mindfulness practice, maybe in, I don't know, washing the dishes or something like that. Did you come across any, any research in that in, in the process? No, that's an interesting question. I, I asked some, some researchers about that exact thing. You know, have there been sort of head-to-head studies in which, you know, you can really compare mm-hmm. these different, different kinds of mindfulness? And, and I don't think there are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what the nature researchers really emphasize is that um, there really is something about being outside you know, that, that also can be particularly soothing, um, again, because of all the senses. When you're inside meditating, uh, you're, you're, you're still not really, you're not feeling the breeze, you know, on, on your cheek. Um, you're not hearing the birds unless you're listening to a soundtrack, which is maybe one way to do it. Um, so I think, you know, meditation indoors is certainly incredibly helpful to a lot of people. Um, but uh, by the same token, you know, a lot of people have trouble you know, sort of learning sure. how to meditate and sort of sure. shutting, shutting down their thoughts or, or letting go of them. And, and so being outside is a way to be mindful that's kind of more accessible. It's kind of easier to do in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there is an element of what I, I, I call it sort of forced mindfulness when you, when you do go for a walk by yourself in, in the forest or, you know, on some trail. It, it, it does sort of bring you into that space. It does, especially if you go for a long time. I think, you know, some people may not be able to get access to that space within the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, although I think mm-hmm. these tools of, of trying to engage all your senses can really help. But, um, 
sometimes I tell people, yeah, you might just need to go for a little bit longer. <laughs> and, and then you'll really start to let go of kind of that ruminating or the negative thought cycles um, or that what am I going to make for dinner, you know, that we kind of naturally fall into when we get mm -hmm. a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we can mm -hmm. kind of get to a deeper, more restorative place. So I want to go into the, the sort of how that you've discovered the how part of this. And I recall there was uh, a few different uh, areas, you, you know, what happens in the, our first five minutes or first few minutes when we go out outside. So if we only have, uh, we're at work, we only have a few minutes to take a, a short break. Uh, what, what can we do and what, how, how might that affect us? Uh, I think if you're, yeah, I mean, if you're out for sort of a little quick stress recovery, I think it's really important to try to find some quiet, if possible. Uh, we know that that can be incredibly restorative to people. Um, I, what I, one thing I like to do that I think is very powerful is I, I grab uh, chunks of pine needles or clumps of, of leaves and I, I crumple them up and I smell them because we know mm. that these smells of nature mm. Um, they, they go very quickly into our brain. There's a very direct pathway from our nose to our brain. And I think mm -hmm. we, we've had, all had this experience where we smell something and it really brings us back, you know, to a memory or a powerful, um, you know, emotional place. And so that's something that, that just even smelling the leaves can help you access really quickly is this kind of state of relaxation. I, I do that. I do that too, just for fun. I, I don't know why I do it. It's uh, people that walk with me. They're like, "What are you doing?" You yeah, know? I mean, so often just... we're trying to shut down our senses when we're in a city. Mm -hmm. We don't want to smell the city. We don't want to hear the city. That's why right. we are all happy to walk around in our earbuds. But um, you know, if you can actually find a place that's quiet and pleasant, <laughs> then you can really let your senses open up. And it's like, oh yeah, and it makes you breathe. It makes you feel really good. So this doesn't have to be exercise. Somebody could just go and sit in the woods, absolutely, and spend a few a few moments. Absol absolutely, right? yes. And you know, uh, you don't have to be able-bodied to enjoy nature. Okay, yeah, that's where I was going. Um, I recalled something else you said that that really actually has affected my my life in just a, a tiny way. Is when I go walk. When I'm in town, I don't live in a city. I live in a small town. When I walk, I sort of pay attention. Uh, you said something about there's there's something about walking under or close to to trees rather than maybe across the street from the trees. Actually, getting in closer to the trees. Can can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. The researchers in Japan have found that trees put out these aerosols that actually improve our immune system <laughs> as well as our sense of well-being and and there they're studying hinoki cypress trees which are these you know very kind of redolent lovely smelling kind of um almost like uh well they're like pine trees christmas trees um and they found that if if, if we can inhale these aerosols and spend some time with them uh our killer t immune cells increase and if we if we could actually spend you know like even a half a day in the in the forest, those those cell counts remain high for seven to twenty one days. So mm. this researcher I talked to said you know we should really go into these forest walks um, at least once every three weeks if we can, um, just to really give our immune systems a little boost. And if we can go once a week, that's even better. Mm. 
And when you say a forest walk, are we talking something longer than, you know, 15 minutes? Are we talking about a couple hours or what? Yeah, I mean, in those particular studies, the researcher had groups of people who were spending a couple of days, um, you know, on on like a vacation uh, in the woods. So, um, and then he did some tests with people who spent the night in a hotel room that was misting (laughs) these tree aerosols. Compared to people, live, you know, staying in a room overnight that had no tree aerosol smells, and 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 so in one night they also showed this pretty high bump in their immune cells. Um, but he recommends, you know, anytime you can walk along trees, it's better than, uh, wow. you know, walking on a more barren street. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's really fascinating stuff. So. What about sort of leading into those those longer terms, you know, getting out into the wilderness for a weekend, a week at a time, uh, where you're, you know, way out in the woods, you're not experiencing too much uh, humanity? Sure. I mean, if you think about our access to nature as, you know, being kind of a nature pyramid, you know, that, that our bread and butter really comes from, you know, where, where we live and where we spend most of our time, which is, you know, likely to be in an urban area. And so, yeah, we need, you know, views out our window. We need even house plants <laughs> have some benefit, mm-hmm. um, these green schoolyards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the middle of the pyramid, maybe, maybe places that we go to, you know, once every couple of weeks or a more kind of deliberate immersion in nature that we can get from, you know, a, a, a local park or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the top of the pyramid, where we may we may not get to very often, some these kind of rarer uh, encounters with the wild. And it looks like times in the wilderness are also very, very important to the human psyche, especially when we're going through you know difficult times in our lives. Um, I've spent mm-hmm. time with you know people who are suffering from trauma, um, people who are suffering from grief. Um, sort of rites of passage, you know, there, there are these cultural moments that, that I think certainly many cultures have tapped into, you know, in human history. And, and we've kind of lost, we've lost that in modern life. We don't do these rites of passage anymore. And uh, it, it may be something we really want to re-examine. Hmm. Yeah, I know uh, I lost both of my parents in the last few years. And through that process, I, I definitely spent more time in the woods alone mm. than I typically yeah. do. And and I, I feel somehow, I don't know how, it, it just, it seems to have have, have uh, helped quite a bit. That's great, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we, ha- we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, business owners listening to this podcast. And a lot of them are thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds nice. It's something I like to do on vacation, go in the woods. But I don't have time. I'm just too busy, uh, too busy to get out there. Uh, even on you know on a on a weekly basis, go and spend a couple hours uh, walking around in the woods or or spending time in the woods. Do you have any suggestions for people? Yeah, like I mean, that? I would say uh, actually a lot of your peers feel differently, <laughs> and you can see you know by looking at, for example, the new campuses on Facebook. Right. And Google, I mean, there, there's a huge emphasis on these high tech campuses of providing spaces of restoration and beauty. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's this big green roof with lots of pathways and places to sit uh, and places to have meetings on the on the roof of the Facebook building. Um, I think there's this recognition that unplugging can actually be productive. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of us may prefer to yes. think of it as kind of a spiritual um 
you know, or emotional kind of um, salvation. But but if you're interested in productivity and creativity, nature is also very helpful for that. Um, again, by sort of providing our frontal cortex, you know, these brief moments to kind of um, relax and recover so that when we do go back mm-hmm. to work, we're actually sharper and better. So I think you're seeing a lot of interest from tech companies. And um, mm-hmm. I wish we were seeing more interest from schools. There have been some really interesting studies showing that students perform better on tests um, you know, after they've had a little chance to run around outside. Um, again, these kind of greener schoolyards. And I, sure. and I hate to think that, that we're depriving our kids of that because this is a time when their brains are actually developing. You know, it's one thing for tech executives to get a break, but, but our kids really need this in order to kind of optimize their potential as human beings. Yeah, and they also need to, to un- start understand that, that outside nature is interesting and it's not scary and it's fun. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a lot of people are terrified of, of nature in so many ways of bugs, you know, ticks. Uh, I almost died this year because I had a, I had this weird tick-borne oh illness, uh, spent time in the hospital. Uh, but as soon as I got out of the hospital, I was back in the woods, <laughs> you know. it's <laughs> I could get hit by a car just as well as getting bit by a tick, you know. Well, but, there certainly are a uh, lot of hazards outside. I'm terrified of, of yeah. tick-borne viruses. I mean, they're awful, uh, and bacteria. But um, I think mm-hmm. that we have to recognize that by being indoors, you know, we're also putting ourselves and our children at tremendous risk. So there's so mm-hmm. many chronic diseases now associated with a life indoors, you know, obesity, diabetes, anxiety, depression, symptoms of ADHD, um, you know, uh, even just smaller things like a vitamin D deficiency or nearsightedness. And these are all sort of mm-hmm. big health conditions that are exacerbated by time inside. And I think as far as the comfort piece, in order to help kids feel more comfortable in nature so that they have that connection and the tools for relaxation and restoration for the rest of their lives, we really need to help forge that connection earlier in childhood. So the mm-hmm. younger these kids can feel more comfortable outside, the better. And, and I think what we're seeing now is that so many kids just rarely go out and their parents aren't that comfortable going outside either. And so we've taken this kind of right. like, we have this, this chain link of, you know, generation, generation, generations of a nature connection that are, and now that, that, that chain is being broken and it's being broken right now by this generation. And we have this incredibly critical moment to try to repair it so that future generations will have these tools and have this connection. Hmm. Thank you for that. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. So um, we're running out of time here. Do you have any last words for everybody, uh, for, for my listeners, any, anything else? Well, add? I just have a very simple piece of advice. <laughs> and uh, that is okay. just to go outside and go often. Bring young people with you and find moments of awe. That's I love it. I love it. We didn't get into awe, but uh, that's that's another conversation. I love <laughs> it's it. It's helpful. It's good to have Thank- awe. <laughs> Go find some awe. <laughs> <laughs> well. Florence, this has been uh, really wonderful. I hope that everybody will go and check out your book. It's called Nature Fix. Uh, how nature, I think it's how nature makes us happier, healthier, and more creative. And uh, do, where would people uh, 
find out more ab- about this? Do you have a, a website or anything? Oh, sure. Yeah. Thanks to? so much for asking. Um, my website is just florencewilliams.com. Okay. Excellent. I'll, I'll make sure I put a link to that in the, the Thank show you notes. so much. And um, they can find me on other social media um, platforms that way as well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I invite you to go over to the flywheelpodcast.com where you can see all the show notes, any links that we mentioned. And while you're there, you could sign up for our email list to make sure that you stay up to date on all the latest shows. Thanks for listening. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner and you enjoy the topics that I present here in the Flywheel Podcast, I think you'll get a lot out of my Elevate Mastermind groups. Basically, these are small groups where you can learn, be challenged, and held accountable in a professionally facilitated group of peers. You work on your specific issues and help others while you grow your business and yourself. If that sounds interesting to you, I invite you to go and check it out. I have several programs starting in the beginning of 2018 uh, of different options. Some are 90 day. We have a full year program going and I invite you to check it out. Go to Victor Jimenez, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-J-I-M-E-N-E-Z dot C-O front slash elevate. So check it out and I'd love to hear from you.